Hi faders, my name is Rene, and this is a message from the best country on earth, probably almost also the smallest country. Today we interview a friend we know from Bad Christian, Mr. Chris Conley. I personally know him from the BC Marco Polo group, and he's such a decent nice dude. He started as a pastor, and now works in the mental health profession. He's a comedian and a podcaster. Warning, this episode contains some spiritual abuse, but also a way to cope with it. So without further ado, here's our talk with Chris. So Chris, man, thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm just glad to have you, Chris Conley from um, the BC Club. For you guys don't know what that is, that's Bad Christian Club. I've known this guy, came up to my house once, slept on my couch in the evening. We might get into that story, maybe, maybe not. Um, just an amazing dude. Has <laughs> what did you do lot, to him, Omar? What did you do? Well, um, let's just say that there were some some strong Rice Krispies that night. The, some strong the snacks, Rice Krispies. The snacks were on point. <laughs> oh, I love sugary snacks. Oh, wait. Yeah. Is that is that not it? Yeah. Sugar's <laughs> not good for you. It can rot your teeth. Anyway. Um, no, man. This guy's awesome in the mental health profession. Um, likes to dabble in some podcasting, dabble in a little stand-up. Um, but started out as a pastor, man. So tell me, tell me about that journey, a life for the Lord to now. <laughs> That's such a big question, man. I don't even know where I start with that. Um, I started going to like a youth group when I was 14 years old. So I don't know if anybody here in our group knows that scene of conservative church youth group. Um, you know, the kind of thing where they're like, you don't have to listen to the boss tones anymore because we have the super tones. Amen. Uh, that that kind of vibe, that kind of place. Um, and I really connected, man. I really got into it. Um, it was a very active social thing for me. And because of the meaning it had in my life, I kind of had this natural thought that maybe that's what I needed to do with my life is, you know, give back through working at the church. So I was going to be a youth pastor. Um, I went off to Bible college, the whole nine yards there, did my theology studies, um, worked at a handful of churches. I did two stints as a youth pastor at different churches. You talk um, about doing stints as a youth pastor as jail time. It's hilarious. Yeah, right? I, did a, I did a couple stints. <laughs> it feels like it. It feels like it now. I'm, now How long were thir- you in for? <laughs> exactly. I, well, now as a 35-year-old grown-ass man, that stuff seems very different. Um, but two churches in, I got fired from a church, and that's when I started pursuing uh, mental health a little more seriously career-wise. Did the mental health thing for a few years. Took up a new position as a worship pastor at a church. Tried to do both mental health, worship pastor, Eventually just got wore out with the pastor thing and went mental health full time. That's like the nuts and bolts of the story. So would you say then that, what was that firing experience like? It seems like there was something that you saw at that moment that maybe you could do more good in a mental health profession than you could like in a religious setting. What was that like? Well, no, I got fired from the church. Um, So it wasn't necessarily my own decision to switch gears there. Um, And I always get bummed out when people ask me about this because I don't have a cool story. Like, I didn't bang the secretary or steal money or anything. You know, you you could be like 
oh yeah, that dude was living it, and he got caught and got fired. Um, <laughs> yeah, if just, you want to get fired from a church for anything, at least get fired for sex. That's yeah. totally worth it. Right, like sex or the money or, or money, yeah, money, maybe the money. Sure, you know, but no, it, it, we just got to a point where I had a different kind of vision for what I wanted to do with the youth ministry. Um, the church, you know, was not of the same fold as me, and it was mostly just the leadership of the church, the people of the church. Like we were good, we're still good. I still keep up with people from that church. We're pals. It's all good. Um, and eventually it just led to them telling me, uh, in probably not as polite terms, but Hey, you're uh, you just don't have the character. We think a man of God needs to have to work with us. And I was like, all right, then and here's the, the weird thing about this. And, uh, I don't know. I don't Did they know catch the you smoking a joint or something? I'm confused. I mean, you seem like a yeah. pretty good dude. Was it just a different no. vision? That's all it was. No, I'll gi- I'll give you the three strikes that I got, man. Um, Please. Oh, there it's were funny because this will, this will uh, conversation's gonna go for a full circle at some point. But strike <laughs> one, strike one is I went to a comedy club and uh, mm. <laughs> well, I went to the I went to the comedy club and the dude was doing that bit like if you've ever been to a comedy show and the guy's like, "What do you do for a living?" and then he like busts on you for a little bit, right? A little, little bit of crowd work. Yeah, so that's what the comedian's doing. So he looks at me, hey, pal, what do you do for a living? And I'm like, well, actually, I'm a pastor, man. And like, so he busts on me. And afterwards, like, I go up. I'm like, hey, man, that was a good show. You're hilarious, whatever. And he does a, man, that was real cool. I never really met a lot of pastors who uh, would have gone along with me. And I was like, yeah, man, no, I came here to see a comedy show. So it's all good. So anyways, I told that story um, from the pulpit at the church as kind of a like, we got to meet people where they are, man. You can't just go throw your, you know, throw your shit around. And I, I got in trouble <laughs> for going to a comedy club. So that was strike one. Oh my one. god! Strike, strike two, two is a strip club then? No, heaven forbid. Um, <laughs> no, strike strike two is we did a youth group movie night, and I showed the Goonies. Ooh, <laughs> good oh, good choice. My stars. That's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, we were just talking about the Goonies right before we brought I'm, you on. I'm that is amazing. It. It's on my TV, like right now. What so, the heck? You know, there's, what? there's okay, no, for real. What what's wrong with the Goonies? I I really want to hear this. Sure, they Oh, okay, Renee, you're off the podcast. It's an Amer- <laughs> it's an American classic. Never it's seen. Not it. from America. It's okay. Okay. Strike um, strike no, one. Renee. Strike one just foul language and i think there was like one language. scene uh, oh and and the and the truffle there's, shuffle there's one scene where there's like a statue with a penis i think as well yes it's my mom's yes, favorite it, piece so, yeah if not you wouldn't be here so that was uh that was strike two and literally had to uh write a letter to all the kids who attended about how it was not above reproach and i was sorry that's really oh my stars what year so, was this like 1995 uh no this would be 2008 oh or 2009 gosh. jesus oh my god what what uh, denomination or, or affiliation was it it's uh the independent church of christ restoration churches okay not that makes ev- sense not every <laughs> church but uh, not every church in that denomination because is that way um 
I don't want to throw them all under the bus. Right. But, well, of course not. But I'm just like wondering where the like very conservative, very conservative background. Yeah. Yep. And uh, the third strike is I don't remember which album it was because again we're talking almost a decade ago. But, you know, Eminem was going to put an album out, and so I did one of those youth pastor things where I wrote, like, a blog for all my parents and said, hey, this album's coming out. Just make sure you know because your kids are going to probably be listening to it. And I put a YouTube clip of his music video in it. Was it a video clip for Dear Stan? No, I think it was uh, Not Afraid. I think it was Not Afraid. But the, the letter was the warning... Yeah, um, it was it was just like, hey, parents, Eminem, all your kids are gonna listen to this. You should be aware of what it is. Check it out. Well, Chris, to be fair, you didn't put a link to a KJ five two video, so that's I, why it, there uh, was problems. You you should have been referencing KJ five two for an alternative, I like the Christian back, bookstores. I take back all my negative feelings now. I did not, I did not protect myself. I did not balance it out. Shit. <laughs> but that, wow. But those were the three strikes, and um, you know, based that's and that's where it led to. Like, we don't know if your character is what we need in our ministry here, and um, pretty pretty painful thing to go through, actually. But yeah, I'd say so. Now I'm a decade out of it, and I'm like, it's probably the best thing that happened to me. Yeah, I can nice. see that. You know, the church is such a strange place. I mean, you, you try to do the right thing by sending out the message to all the parents and saying, "Hey, look, this is what your kids may be into." You know, be careful. And then, of course, they turn that back around on you as if you're distributing it to the kids or to the people. You know, like that's oh, it's such hypocrisy, man. I apologize that ha- that 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 happened to you. I know that you work in mental health, so I'm sure that you've you know dealt uh, with with the abuses of the church on you. Um, uh, but, yeah, I don't. Yeah. I mean, I don't need apologies for it unless you're the guy who did it. Did you do that? No, I did not. You, were you on that committee? Damn it! I was not. <laughs> All right. No, it's it's not what I heard. Yeah, this is this is really this is not a podcast. This is an intervention. We're here to confront you. Oh yeah. By the way, <laughs> we are the elder board. But uh, yeah, so that's that's kind of the ministry. That was the first, that's part A of the ministry story. When that happened, I was um, studying my master's degree for mental health work. You know, and initially my process, my thought process was. I'm going to be a pastor in some way for my career, and it would be really good to have some counseling skills, some mental health knowledge. So I kind of thought of that education as like the toolbox, like another tool for my toolbox. Um, But then when I got, you know, released from this church, I went full on and did it as a career, um, working as a therapist in uh, the area here for a few years. And then a friend of mine, a good friend of mine asked me if I would consider being the worship pastor at his church. Um, and initially I said no, but, you know, we talked it out for a little bit. And then I did that. He, he got me, and I, I did that with them for about three years before realizing that, no, mental health is just, mental health is my gig. And the thing that was cool about that is that was a healthy church situation. And I, so I could reach that conclusion in a healthy place not just in a, like a reacting to like something terrible happening and like, oh, I guess I have to go be a therapist now. Right. It was more your decision. You know, it, was, you, it wasn't like you were losing everything you were you know, putting your stock into. Because before that, you said, you know, you were going to Bible college and you were going to 
in, going in this direction, and all of a sudden, like the wall gets or the rug gets pulled out from underneath your feet, you know, and uh, you have just like no stability, no. I mean, basically, your whole support yeah. system, your was this church, and it just yeah. seems like to me as you're telling that story, I mean, for those like you know myself, you know, I definitely still believe in God, you know, and, and, and even with like you know what we're doing here with create, you know part of a bigger community, but, you know, creating, like, this, like, sub-community, creating your own, like, thing with Fade to Gray, like, um, you know, I see, like, you know, sometimes things end, like you said, like, those end up being the best thing that happened to you, you know, like, now, yeah. looking back, like, however many years later, um, but it seems to me that, like, when churches or organizations like that, they want you out, they'll look for any excuse, you know, those, 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 those strikes seem ridiculous sure well the other thing that's really weird to me about that situation and it's not just mine i i have friends and you guys probably know people too who have been in similar situations like that and it's not just a matter of like hey you're not a fit here or hey you know we don't have the same vision and it's not going to work long term like one it was a pretty brutal assumption about my character and, you know, I'm not going to get into some of the things that were said because there's no reason to retread it for me, but they weren't pleasant conversations that we were having no. towards the end there. Um, but then there's also the thing, like, you're talking about my livelihood as well. Like, you're not a good fit here, so now you don't have an income. Um, and then I have to go, you know, for me, I went to my parents' house and like, hey, so I lost my job. I don't know what I'm going to do. You lost your whole tribe in a way. I mean, that was like your tribe. Yeah. Well, here, here, here's the most like fucked up part of it all for me. I was asked to resign, not be fired. I was not fired. I was asked to resign. And this is the only thing I would have done. If I was, you know, if I could have gone back with the wisdom and knowledge I had now, I would have said, no, if you guys want to fire me, you need to fire me. You owe that to your congregation to say, hey, we don't think this guy is a good fit for what we're doing. So what ended up happening is I resigned and told people I was, you know, oh, yeah, you know, it's, you know, I'm moving on. I want to really finish this master's degree and work in mental health. And I just felt manipulated and like it was the better. I was convinced that was the better way to go about it. So I went along with it. But I had families um, from the church who would come up to me like, you're bouncing? Like we were just talking a couple weeks ago about these plans that we were making. And, you you know, you seemed like you were on board. And, you know, I, I did with a couple of the families I was really close to, you know, give them more of the story. But... That's a weird dynamic, and again, one that I've seen over and over with churches when they, you know, want to let somebody go is they, I don't know if it's just that they don't want to be held accountable, or if they do think, like, this is the way to cause the least amount of tension is to make it seem like it's more of a friendly resignation. But, but that, it becomes that, a huge, it becomes a huge mindfuck, though, because especially when you're in leadership and you're seeing all this because you're like, aren't we the ones that are supposed to be honest? Isn't it all about Jesus is the way, the truth, the light? Like, why, why, are, why do we have to be dishonest or cover things up to protect? Like, you know, yeah. Like, why why well, do we need to lie to anybody to protect? Or what are we protecting? We're not protecting Jesus in this situation. So well, yeah, I, I would think if they're, if they were truly convinced, like, oh, my gosh, man, we got this guy Chris in here. And he, he turned out to have some pretty bad character. Like, then that's where you go to the congregation and say, hey, like, we're really sorry we brought this guy in. He is not, you know, up to par and we're going to let him go. 
Well, I'm glad you had a more positive situation as a worship. You said you were the worship pastor, so so then you were again still in like a leadership position. Yeah, still, no, still that in, was still in the inner circle. Yeah, but, that was my full time gig during that period. I was doing uh, the worship ministry, helping out with the student ministry stuff a little bit, and then I did like a day of therapy on the side. I got a question. Um, It seems like um, uh, when you live in America and you work, and either you get fired or you or um, you you leave, uh, what's that called? Uh, Voluntarily, you don't get money after that, or do you? Like I mean, in my in my circumstance, they gave me a month of severance, but I asked Mm -hmm. for it. Yeah. I don't think they would have given it to me if, if I didn't say anything. If I will, if I leave my job, um, the government won't pay me money. Uh, it's probably like seventy-five percent for uh, the month I work there. So if I work there for a year, probably get like a month extra, seventy-five percent wage. But if you work there for ten years, you probably get a whole year, seventy-five percent money to find a new job. Um, yeah. And if 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 I if I leave voluntarily, I don't get that money. So basically, here you have to get fired. <laughs> I would never go voluntarily. It's the and same way here with um, yeah. un- un- we have unemployment, and if you yeah. are fired, you you can you're eligible for unemployment, or if you lose your job that way. But if you quit, then you're not eligible. So yeah, okay. That was my first thought when you said they asked you to resign. I was like, those cowards. They don't want to have to pay unemployment out, so they're like, "You need to resign." Mm -hmm. Chris, Chris, would you would you have been okay if they just said, "So it's fine if you show whatever, show the movies, okay, but just send us what you want to to show the kids beforehand, and we'll approve of it." Would you have been okay with that, and you got to keep your job and all that sort of stuff? Would you have accepted that? Um, probably. Well. I don't know, man. Like, I'm trying to think of where my head was back then. My head back then probably would have tried to stick it out longer. But, like, me now, I'd be like, no, man. Because this is also one of those things I can look back at it and I can see so many other unhealthy dynamics. Which is why I say, like, with a genuine heart, like, it was the best thing. Because I wasn't going to get myself out of there. Hmm. So... You know, they it, it it did have to come down to that level of conflict for me to get out of there. Yeah, yeah. people should remember that for sure. Like, because people, I think, that would hear your story or be at this point of your story and maybe going through something similar. It's it's just good to always remember, like when you're going through the suck of it. You know, when you're when you don't have the answers when it's not lining up and you, you know, like you lost your whole community and stuff like that. But just know that there is life on the other side. You know that like yeah. there is. Um, like you said, sometimes what we think is the worst thing that could ever happen is the best thing that can happen for us. Yeah, so, so. well, it's here's why this that for me, and I would assume other folks in that same situation, here's why it's really hard and confusing. One, I'm a pastor, which means for most of us in that role, we've kind of been taught like to kind of suffer a little bit to be humble a little bit, you're going to have rough times, you're not going to make so much money. And so you kind of get convinced like, oh man, this is just one of those rough seasons I'm in. So I'm going to stick it out and be faithful. Um, The other thing is like, I had really good friendships. And, you know, there were also families and students in that church where like good things were happening. 
So that makes it like, okay, so the leadership here is a pain in my ass, but like there's still good things here. And then also at the time, I'm 22, 23 years old, which, you know, nowadays you're still a baby when you're 22, 23 years old. And this is like my first real adult job and I'm thinking about bills and money. So, you know, there's lots of reasons that you, you don't just bail because things are getting tough. And then some of them are good reasons, some of them are bad reasons. But there is only, I only had so much foresight as a 23 year old um, that that's, but that's what it took is for them to finally lay the hammer down on me. And, you know, so like I said, best thing that could have happened because I wasn't going to get myself out of that system. Before you were in the uh, youth pastor gig and before you did your music ministry, you went to Bible college. So let me ask you Yeah, spring breaks looks a lot different. Of course it does. (laughs) Uh, What what was your experience like there? Um, Well, I think the school I went to was well-meaning. I don't actually have anything against them as a college, but it's just kind of the same, I guess, kind of conservative stereotypes you hear about Bible college. Uh, Not quite as bad as some. Um, it felt kind of like Bible camp, but during semesters of time. Um, so we had a lot of coursework that was in, you know, books of the Bible, ministry-focused stuff. We had uh, some academics. Um, they actually did have a pretty good counseling program, so I started my counseling studies even then. Um, but, you know, it's just little stuff like we had curfew Um, we had restrictions on what kind of movies and music we could watch and listen to, um, very much a conservative guarding of how we had relationships with people and that sort of thing. So it's not like your typical college where you bring your girlfriend into your dorm room and you're, you're hooking up and all that stuff. That's not, that's not what's going on here. You're hooking up with Jesus. Right. It's well, it's going on. It's just not supposed (laughs) to be going on. Did you have to sign like a like a life agreement thing when you went in? And when I went yeah. to a Christian college, I know I had to sign one of those saying like we agree to live by this you know standard of living while we're here. Yeah, basically, I can't remember what they called it, but I mean, and to be fair, anybody who gripes like you did sign that contract when you started going to school here, but, right? You, know, you you go through the handbook and they're like, here are our rules and expectations, and then you sign that says yes, I agree. You know, so. Yeah, I guess to be fair to them, I did agree to that. Yeah, and did you ever uh, break any of those rules or get in trouble at Bible college? Um, I got in trouble a couple times, but I was not really a big offender. I was a pretty good little boy. Um, But, you know, profanity got me in trouble a couple times. That's about it for me. Um, I got in trouble for rated R movies once or twice. Yeah, that's absolutely ridiculous. Wasn't the Passion of the Christ rated R? Is that the one that you got in trouble for? No, for some reason we were allowed to see that one. <laughs> of, yeah, that somehow got a pass. But that's that's where the whole like um, idea for the podcast I'm working on maybe I, I I don't like to commit to it until it's you know something we're actually doing. But a buddy of mine named Travis, uh, we we're starting this project called Bible <laughs> College Survivor. Um, and it, it's an idea that came to me when I was sitting around with some friends, a couple of whom went to the same Bible college as me, a couple of them who didn't, you know, regular, ordinary colleges. And we would just tell stories about like, oh, I got in trouble for this, right? And so our Bible college stories, our other friends like thought we were making shit up. Because <laughs> we're like, yeah, man, I watched 8 Mile and I got, you know, 
you know, I had to stay in my dorm room for a week because of that. And they're like, you're bullshitting us, right? That's not really what happened. <laughs> like, I'm like, no, sir. Full truth. I dropped the F-bomb once and I got written up. So you're telling um, me that they made you actually, like, stay in your dorm room without getting out for a week? Like, what do you mean by that? They would do, um, and that actually I don't think happened to me specifically that long, but depending on, like, what you were getting in trouble for, you, trouble for, you would get dormed, which means unless you were leaving for class or for meals or whatever, you know, you were basically to stay in the dormitory building. Holy shit. So, like, you're an adult. And you can't leave your dorm because you that, cursed. Yeah, they. You probably oh don't. Well, you probably don't get dormed just for cursing. But yes, that is the same. Basically, yes. Once whatever that threshold is, once you cross it, that is what happens. That is very interesting. So you couldn't even like go and see your family during this time, or what would happen? What were the consequences for 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 not staying in your dorm room? You know, I don't know if it was that black and white. I think if I had family I wanted to visit or something, I just had to let, like, the uh, the dormitory, I think we called him the dorm dad, I just had to let him know where I was coming and going. So Holy I, shit, like a hall monitor. Something the like that. The dorm dad? Wow. The dormitory. <laughs> that sounds almost sexual, the dorm daddy. That's exactly where my mind went. <laughs> I got to check in with my dorm daddy. And the dormitory sounds like something that would be in like the basement of, you know. Jesus. You're in a sex cult. Oh, my God. Oh, better check in with daddy. <laughs> so I love it. That's crazy. So, so Conley, crazy. did you did you feel like you, f- you failed uh, when you were fired at the church? Uh, I had a similar experience, and I cried like a baby, man. Um... Being fired from the church, man, it's it's really hard uh, because, yes, on one hand, you know, you do, at least for me, like, there definitely was that curiosity, like, you know, I believed that I was meant to be a pastor, I went to college to be a pastor, and even though, like, in the heart of hearts, I probably knew that I wasn't this poor moral character person, it's still hard to hear that from people who are in spiritual authority at the church. And then for that to lead to very tangible consequences in your life. Um, you know, I think the other thing that made it difficult for me is I didn't want to like, I didn't want to make people pissed off at the church, like the big, the big C church, like church in general. Yeah. Um, maybe yeah. not necessarily that specific congregation, but like, I remember like I was terrified to tell my parents like yeah. that, that happened and not just because I needed a job or because I wasn't going to have an income, but I didn't want to be like, yeah, I guess what the church did to me. Like, I didn't want to do that. Yeah. yeah um, man. you were doing damage uh, control for Jesus. I mean, yeah, basically that's what I felt like I was doing. Um, it's only, honestly, you know, probably for a year or two after that, I just kind of pushed it out of my head, didn't really think about it, because one, I was like, I got to work, like, I got to find a job, so I started looking for some jobs, started finishing school, but I can definitely see, like, now when I look back, like, I definitely have some anxieties um, related to church, I definitely have some strong feelings about how churches should and should not behave, and, you know, yeah. it it hasn't affected my 
faith personally, but so much. I mean, I can't pretend that I, I haven't had questions or thoughts. I don't know how much of that is a result of that event or not. I think that's just part of being a person in general, mm-hmm. no matter what you go through, good or bad. But yeah, it was just a weird, it was a weird thing, man. Are you still going to church? Yes. Oh, nice. At what capacity? I mean, you're, you're not in leadership. I mean, are you like playing music? Are you on the worship team? Are you speaking? Yeah. Are you taking any leadership roles? Like, Sure. So the church that I was uh, the worship pastor at, I stepped away from that position in January of 2016. Um, and I, I actually stayed on board for about six months because I, I love that church. And so I said in January, I said, hey, I got to move on to mental health full time. This is just this is my shit. Like, this is where I need to be. Um, but I love you guys as a church. So I will still stay here and do my job for up to six months while you find the next guy. Because I didn't want it to be a hard process for them. Um, I had done a lot of work to make our worship ministry the best it had ever been. And I was really, you know, cared about those relationships. Um, and so even then, they ended up hiring a new guy a few months later. Um, I took off for a month. And said, you know, I got to just bounce. I got to let this guy do his job. And how awkward would that be to do his job? And I'm still there like, hey, what's up, guy? Uh, But then I came back and I participated, you know, in the worship band pretty much the whole time. I did at the beginning of the summer this year, you know, take a break just from playing in the band. And, uh, you know, so some Sundays I'm not going anywhere. I've been visiting other churches with like friends from work just because I have friends at the office that I work with who want to explore different churches who don't necessarily have any faith tradition. And I'm like, cool, man, I'll go with you wherever you want to go. Let's roll. Yeah. Let's go check it out. What, what instrument are you playing at the church? Mostly guitar and vocals, but oh. I can play the but I would play the bass and the drums here and there. Yeah, I wish we we in the Netherlands we do actually not have a church that maybe I don't know you don't get paid as a musician at church here. It's all no, I can I cannot imagine getting paid at a church. It would be a nice job, I think. <laughs> well, that was that would only you know be a very small portion of my job as a worship pastor, but our 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 musicians don't get paid. Oh, okay, yeah, it's a bit bit the same here i guess chris i wanted to comment that i was you know hearing the story of like what happened with the church and how you handled that i i find that very impressive um i feel things really like i care so much about what other people think and things like that uh me personally that like when something like that happens i get so hurt i push I, like, I push everyone away, you know, and like you didn't, like you stayed with the church and you kind of walked through that process. And I think that's very impressive. And then to see that you're still involved in church and that you, that's still a mission of yours, I think it's incredible. Just wanted well, to mention you, that. Well, you might be giving me too much credit, man. I mean, the church I got fired from, you know, by, by the time I got the news or they told me that their intention was, you know, for me to resign... I was probably gone within two or three weeks, and I only kept up with a small handful of people at that point. Um, but then, like in my personal friendships with people outside of the church, I was definitely not a happy camper, man. I was, you know. But, 
But you came around and then you worked as a worship pastor. So like, okay, you know, yeah, about five years. That would be about three, uh, four years after the fact. You still came back around. Like to me, that's. Incredible. I just I yeah, don't. That's impressive. I well, I don't. I don't believe. I, I don't like. First of all, I don't do compliments well, but thank you. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't think it's fair to make a judgment based off of one shitty experience. You know, like I, 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 I was a youth pastor at a church that was ran by shitty leaders. That's the truth. That's the truth of that situation, and that that should not that should not keep me. From pursuing now, if I were to go to more churches and that seems to be the consistent thing, then like yeah, okay, maybe this church thing isn't worth doing, and um, at least that's my mindset moving from that point to the next point. Yeah, and it seems like the church that you were a part of that asked you to resign. It almost seems like their leadership team didn't even talk to the church about why they wanted you to resign. Whenever the church should kind of be in charge of all of that stuff, and the leadership are the ones that kind of. Uh, you know, delegate that process. Yeah. Uh, it seems like the leadership were just like, without even asking the church, this guy's gone, you know? And so that's, I, uh, hopefully that's a unique, exactly. Hopefully that's a unique experience for anybody, you know, that they, that they get that kind of treatment from the church. But uh, from what I understand in my own personal experience, that's not unique to that one church. Um, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so. been my experience as well, as far no, as the- I- the leadership always trying to protect the congregation by not giving them the full truth mm-hmm. of yeah. what's actually what's actually happening with the leadership. So yeah, well, and the more the more conservative churches, they do tend to function with like a leaderboard structure that like we're the bosses of the church, so we make the calls, and it's less it's less congregation informed. Um, but yeah, the, again, I think I've said it like twice already, but my whole thing is if they would have just said to the church, hey, Chris is a bad dude, we got to let him go. That would have been a great integrity move for them, you know? Like if that's genuinely what they thought and believed, just be like, hey, we know he's funny, we know the kids like him or whatever, but he's a bad dude and we got to let him go. But then there would be a lot of like aftermath and cleanup and people leaving with you. And oh, yeah. If, if they knew that you're, if this was, oh, yeah. they wanted to Absolutely. save face for themselves. And That's what I wanted to know. Did anybody, you know, stick up for you and, and come to your defense and say, you know, this is a, a man of integrity. I don't know why you're, you know, you have problems with him. Was there anything like that? Well, it was his idea. He had to leave to go pursue mental health. And, you know, like. Yeah. For, I mean, it wasn't. Yeah, really but. It I would hope some people could see past that. I, I I think you know there's there's a lot of people. I know I know you're probably being sarcastic there, but did anyone say anything? I don't. You know, not to my knowledge. I had a I did have a conversation with one mom who you know I had done a lot of work with her kids, and you know we were like family, and you know so I did let her into a little more of the story, and she's like, "This isn't right, and this isn't right," and I, you know, I just told her I was like, "Look." You can put up a fuss. It's it doesn't matter. Like I'm done. I'm out of here. So yeah, at that point you don't feel like you're wanted, you know. So it's not well, like you would want to even stick around. Well, right? I, what I asked her is, I was like, what would it achieve? Like it's not gonna go undo the situation. And then you and then I told her, I was like, think about your kids. If you feel like because of this that you and your family can't go to this church, that's your call. 
But that's that wasn't the case for her family. I was like, your kids are loved by so many people at this church. And the elders who make these decisions, like, yeah, they were, you know, screwballs or whatever, but they were not the main force in her family's life. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know, don't take your kids out of what's good. Don't take your family out of what's good because you're pissed off with what happened to me. Seems like you had a lot more uh, sense and a lot more appreciation for what the kids would experience than the leadership did. Yeah, you know? charity is the word I hear. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know that this is the case for, for, you know, Chris's church exactly, but I've experienced very similar events in many other churches. Um, and then I've known of other things happening to my friends and family in other churches that are very similar situations. And my takeaway and on more of a general, you know, macro level is that in churches like that, where they, keep the truth from the congregation and they make decisions behind and they ask you to resign instead of firing you. Um, It is generally because there is a, um, an oligarchy of control by this group of people. And they, they're only doing these things because they've consolidated power in this church. You know, it's a little mini government and they have everything exactly the way they want it. And so they can exert their control, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. If people started to question it, then those people would have found themselves ostracized somehow. Something would have happened, you know, because if I had to guess, I wouldn't guess that any one of those three things were the real reasons that you were being asked to resign. Um, yeah, well, you know, there funny, was probably, I, you know, something else going on. You know? Well, I was going to say it's funny because I tell people, too, I was like, there were probably better reasons to fire me if you wanted to fire me. <laughs> like I was 23 years old, man. I wasn't, I wasn't the most organized person. Um, you know, there's, there was plenty of reasons you could have found to fire me other than like to try to blast my character. You were bad at turning in your receipts, huh? <laughs> actually, was, I was actually on point with that for the most part. Well, Conley, and that's the other thing is blasting character is just such an underhanded move that people do when they have complete control and power and they don't give a shit about what is you know authentic or good or right <laughs> they're just exercising their control isn't isn't that happening with every other job when you get fired i mean when the when, when they want to get rid of you they always come with some fucked up excuse well that's just happening no matter what like let's say that you know you and i have a difference of opinion if if i don't agree with your opinion i can attack your character and then it's over right like you're the you're the bad person i'm the good person done like i don't have to argue my point it's laziness right so the 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 pastors here at his church they're being lazy uh in Mm -hmm. in trying to attack his character to get rid of him so that they can put their own person in place or whatever it's it's uh it's just laziness you know and and that's the unfortunately that's the cultural climate nowadays but hey man hey let me just say i'm super happy with my life now though so it's all good and it's been about 10 years and they have had about four youth pastors come and go at that same church so here's an example of your character right here you're like dudes leave it alone it's over it's over, man. Like know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a good I'm, place. This is a good I'm thing. Like, I'm like, calm the fuck down. But fellas. that's a that's a testament to your character, man. That's a testament to your character, right? So why so can't we all go. just watch the Goonies and get along? Fuck yeah! Like I think um, not not to say like you know, Chris, you shouldn't think that, but um, I know when I myself the first time it ever happened to me, 
uh, people made up lies that I had abused a kid sexually Why because I had that? been outed to the college as gay, and I worked at a Christian daycare for the church that was unofficially um, a part of the college. It's on, on the college campus, and the college, you know, has classes in those rooms. And I walked away from that situation, right? I walked away from that situation thinking how I had to um, protect the church, you know? Like, they had falsely accused me of sexual abuse. We we proved it wasn't true, but I'd been fired, and that was it. Like, it, like it was, and I was walking away from that situation thinking, all right, I have to make sure that I, you know, I don't, um, you know, stain the the bride of Christ, you know? I have to make sure that I, um, you know, I, I say and do the right things and, 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 you know, forgive and, you know, and uh, walking away and reflecting on it now, like, that was more because it was um, almost a brainwashing technique, you know, like, you know, you can't let people think badly of the church, so you have to just kind of, like, deal with it and walk away. Well, that, that is the one thing that, like, if I could have gone back and done it differently, I would have at least said, no, I'm, I'm not going to resign. I'll be here every Sunday until you fire me. But, yeah. you know, again, 23 and didn't have that kind of wisdom and insight and, you know. Right, yeah. And it's easy for me to tell the story now, but, like, when it was happening, man, I was full of anxiety and panic. Like, I wasn't of the right, you know, I wasn't the right mindset to make the most mature decisions with it. Yeah. Well, speaking of mature decisions, so you, you know, left after that and there's like a five-year stint in between you being a worship pastor at a new church and finding a church that you obviously really appreciated and loved. So there was, I know that you have dabbled in Christian comedy, uh, comedy, Christian comedy. You First of all, fuck no, it's not Christian comedy. <laughs> yes, I love you. Okay. Thank you for clarifying. Good, good. Yeah, because we had, I guess, like I had heard from some. I don't have I don't... enough puppets. <laughs> I don't think that. <laughs> and your and your name isn't Bob Smiley. Right. Is Christian comedy a real thing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, they they sit there and they make fun of Jesus all day long. No, is there Christian comedy? Yeah, yes, I don't think oh yeah, there is yes. absolutely there is. Um, yeah, okay. What? It's not funny, but it exists. Yeah, but you, some of it's funny. Some of it can be funny. It is. It it's is. Debatable. Shout out to Tim Hawkins. He's it's he's debatable. So you, you're, you're <laughs> dabbling in comedy. Excuse me. You're also doing mental health. You're doing a podcast. What is it that spawned you to want to to put your hand in so many projects? Um, the short answer, and we can get into this at, down the road in this convert, whatever. Um, when, when I, I lost my father about four years ago, hmm. unexpectedly. And there was a part of that going through all that, that just kind of woke me the fuck up. And it was like, you know, Hey, not, not in like a rebellious, destructive way, but just like, Hey man, like people die your people, so you're going to die. Why don't you go do some stuff? And so ever since that point of, of time, well, the first year was rough because I was just trying to adjust to life in general. But once I kind of found some balance, you know, I started setting every year three to four new things to do to try just for fun. Um, last year I did Taekwondo. I did six months of Taekwondo, and I'm a short little fat fuck. And it was... Uh, <laughs> It was an entertaining spectacle to see, have eight-year-olds kicking my ass, but um, I gave it a shot. This year, it was, uh, you know, try. I, actually, what was on my list was improv, 
but I couldn't find or connect with the place here that offered improv stuff. So I ended up taking a stand-up comedy class for six weeks, and it was amazing and phenomenal. And it uh, it landed me doing a ten minute set at the Funny Bone, which is a pretty big comedy venue here. In and Virginia. ten minutes is a lot, dude. Ten minutes for if you're if in the beginning, that's amazing. Ten it's minutes, terrifying. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Even one minute. I I listened to an uh, a podcast called Kill Tony. And it's, you know, live comedy at the comedy store in L.A. And he brings people up in one minute. And sometimes they have Joe Rogan or Dom Herrera or Jim Norton there. And and you're doing one minute. And some people can't even finish one minute. They they, they can't do one. I know. I always finish in less than a minute. (laughs) (laughs) hey So that's incredible. do Do you do dark comedy, Chris? Is that your thing? Kind of like darker stuff? Well, yeah. Who's your influences? And he was listing off some names there. Who's your influences? Like, Satan. Think about Stan. <laughs> the Goonies. The devil. Um, I don't, man. I don't. I, I've loved comedy since I was a little kid, man. My dad ingrained a good sense of humor in me. You know, I grew up watching all kinds of things, so it's really hard for me to narrow down an influence, dude. I mean. I mean, shit, man. Everything from like police academy movies to, um, you know, Kevin Smith movies. But I mean, I mean everything, man. Dog, dogma is my jam. Um, no wonder they fired you from that church. Yeah, that's, yeah. Tr- that's true. It's <laughs> all coming together. Kevin Smith, yeah, he started. Oh, found me out. Shit. <laughs> um, but stand up, stand up comedy. I love listening to like Mitch Hedberg was my dude. Uh, Jim Gaffigan, Brian Regan, Dave Dave Chappelle, all that stuff. Um, and I don't know what it's like for you fellas, but people around here don't think about stand-up comedy as something you go do. Like, oh, let's go to a movie or let's go get dinner. But we have like five comedy clubs in my area. So whenever me and friends are trying to go out and do something, I'm like, let's go see a comedy show because it's, it's fun, man. Yeah, it's a blast. So it's really it's cheaper stuff. than a movie. Yeah, well, we have one club here. Well, actually, I've learned since taking my my class. We have multiple clubs here, but there's one club that does, like, a free open mic night. Like, you don't have to pay anything to get in. Like, you should be cool and buy a drink or two just yeah. to support the place. But you get to watch 20 guys, 20 gals, whoever, try to be funny. And some some of them are really funny. Some of them are not, but that is still real funny. Now, Chris, do you have a, a, a bombing story? Did you did you bomb super hard and maybe get it on video or experience that first time? No, that's nope. the weird thing is I didn't, man. It's um, just that good. He did great. Well, it, I think it's because, well, the, the class was cool because week one, the, the guy, our teacher, coach, whatever you want to call him, he, he just, there's like 10 of us there. He said, just get up here, do whatever you think is funny to do. And, you know, I probably, you know, I I would say that was a bomb, but that wasn't really a show. He's like, I just want to hear your cadence. I want to see your body language. And practice. Yeah. And then the next couple of weeks, he gave us some writing prompts. He did tell us, he's like, don't cuss, don't use profanity. He's like, when you're famous, your style can be whatever it wants to be. But right now, that makes you sound lazy and it makes you sound like you're not thinking about your jokes. And he's like, so he like would not let us cuss. And so like during practice, if somebody dropped, you know, fuck or whatever, he would be like, hey, hey, come on, try that joke again. Take that They'd word out. They'd be dormed. 
Did you feel? Like, yeah. Did you feel like you're back in Bible college then? That's right. <laughs> just like right. You just like fit right in. You're like, I got right. this. It is Christian like, comedy then. That's right. <laughs> you know, th- that is that is a good point though because it's it's always harder to do cleaner comedy. It's harder for sure. most comedians to clean up. Yeah, so sure. if you can practice cleaned up comedy, you can always throw in a fuck or a shit right. or a, you know a, a dick joke or whatever. So that's that's a great muscle to learn uh, uh, first. Yeah. Well. Well, and that's and that's what he that's what he said is it's you know it's more of like a tick, or it's more of a stalling tactic, you know nobody's writing their jokes with those you know words, but that's just how they talk. He's like you gotta, and one of the things he told us he's like when you're writing jokes, tell yourself that you have to spend a dollar on every word you use, wow. you know. So you want to write because he's like you want to get to the funny, so pretend every word you have to use costs you a dollar. Yeah, your um, your word economy. It yeah, you you got to be using as as little words as possible and get the 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 best effect and and paint the picture. I love that. But yeah, so it was cool. I I I will try to uh, if you guys want to see it. I think I have a video of my set from the Funny Bone. You guys can check out. Yeah, where can people see that at? Put the audio on the podcast. If you yeah. yeah, that that would be cool. Um, but it it was good, man. Is it was it was fun. I met a couple dudes through that that uh, we still hit open mics once in a while, and um, I kind of joke around with some people at my office. I'm like, "What if my life is pastor, therapist, comedian? Like, what kind of badass resume is that?" That'd be very good. Have you ever heard of Sam Kinison? Oh yeah, Sam Kinison. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, would you say that maybe you're inspired by him at all? I know who he is. I don't actually know much of his stuff. Do you know his story, though? Because he was a pastor. He yeah. was a pastor. He mm-hmm. comes from a religious family. I think he got hit by a car at some point. Yeah, and they say that's when it all changed for him. Yeah, kind of like Roseanne, <laughs> right? Yeah, kind of. Wow. I thought the bitch was why. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but it's been fun, man. Like, there's, there's something about, I, I mean... I think for me, it all ties together. Like whether you talk about me as a pastor, uh, a therapist, whatever, humor is like a value to me and a value to my character. Um, I try to bring humor into mental health work when it's appropriate. I always try to bring... um, Yeah, mental health is hilarious. Well, look, man, one of of my goals, (laughs) one of my goals when I'm doing therapy with people and they're telling me their deepest, darkest shit. One of my goals is I'm going to get you to smile or laugh about something before you leave my office. Which one of the personalities are you going to get them to smile? That's right. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. If you, uh, really? Not, not today, but if you want to talk about, if you want to talk about multiple personality stories, we can do that another day. But no, I mean, I mean, that's a core value that I have is like humor makes everything better. Yeah. Um, now that doesn't mean like, there's definitely times not to do it. And I, you know, there's going to be times in a mental health context where I'm not, but you know, I mean, it's one of my favorite things though. If I have somebody who's coming in and we're processing like some tragedy they've been through or relationship stuff, they're trying to figure out and we can like kind of, you know, you know, we're not like LOLing crazily, but if we're kind of like able to smirk or giggle a little bit by the time we're done, I think we're healing, man. Yeah, that's Did, uh, our goal here at Fade to Gray, too. I mean, we talk about a lot of real serious shit. We love hearing people's stories of, like, going deep. But, I mean, at the core value, I think, with all of us, we just kind of start out just... I always go as, deep. Yeah, he, that's not what she said. But, like, 
definitely no, not what she said. <laughs> it's, it's, it's always been comedy and humor, like whether we're ragging on each other or, you know, or on, you know, certain th things that we've been through. I mean, we just have to like sometimes just laugh at, at the suck, you know what I mean? Cause, like, you have to, man. Like, you have, I don't you have know. To be I don't know how you get through it without being able to laugh. So that's yeah, really what, I agree what we want to do here. Is it kind of just brings it, the picture all together. It just kind of like makes, like you can't take life serious enough. We don't need to make it more serious, you know, with worry and doubt and stress. Yeah. I mean, that shit's going to happen. You know, like, you don't, we don't need to, uh, sometimes it's okay just to step back and just <laughs> laugh until you cry. <laughs> There's nothing better. But Chris, man, dude, appreciate you. Love you. Thanks for telling your story. Yeah, it's been fun. Thanks for coming on, Chris. Really Great. appreciate you. Yeah, man. Well, uh, he's he's on Facebook in the BC Club and at your uh, local comedy club in Virginia Beach, hopefully soon. And All pray right. us out, Chris. We always have our guests, uh, you know, whatever. Pray, you know, however you want to close this out. Oh, my gosh. Am I allowed close to Close this out with a bit. No, I'm not. Oh, gonna... that would be awesome. Um... 35 seconds go <laughs> well you know that i think that praying is is as funny as a bit anyway so i'm gonna laugh yes. either way well, i'm definitely not gonna pray us out but uh thank you brother oh my gosh no i'm, I'm just gonna say bye how's that bye bitch love it later <laughs> all right oh that was thank amazing you very bye much. bitch all right next up welcome to the stage chris conley <laughs>
They got an Xbox and Nintendo. Like, it's just always going in. And, like, they, like even if they don't have that, they're watching other kids play video games on YouTube. <laughs> that blows my damn mind. Blows my mind. But it, it hit me. I thought about it, and I was like, man, video games, they're taking over the job as the parent. That's what these video games are doing. Somehow the video game has managed to replace both the hug and the ass whooping. I'm still trying to make sense of it. You know, little Johnny comes home from school, and man, he did real good. All oh, right, man, he got some more time on the Xbox. But also, little Johnny gets home bugging the hell out of his mom, and you need to go play the Xbox. I ain't got time for your shenanigans. All of that to say, you know, they come, they see me, man, this, this video games and TV is ruining our family and it's tearing America apart. And I'm thankful for it because it's job security for me. As a so keep it up. All right, that concludes our talk with our dear friend Chris. Bible college, being dorm, church, three strikes you're out. Amazing, truly amazing. From the bottom of a humble Dutchman's heart, I am shocked by the religious bullshit going on there, my friends. Chris, you're a trooper, man. Going to church again, picking up life, enjoying it, respect. See you guys next time on Fade to Grey.